everyone's doing good. Uh, I found out that my, my sister watches online, so hi Vanessa. And, and uh, also Ariel's parents watch online, so hey Mr. Mrs. Hey. Alright. Uh, okay, so the lesson today is called To Know Christ. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray first. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. You are almighty, you are powerful, you are gracious. You extend mercy to a thousand generations. God, um, you're faithful to us, Father. Thank you so much for how faithful you've been to us, God. I pray that you soften our hearts. I pray that you open our minds. I pray that you um, help us to receive the word um, with wisdom, receive the word with grace, God. I thank you for this opportunity to speak, and I pray that you speak through the Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Alright, have you all ever, like, find yourself in a situation where you know somebody, like you've known someone a long time, and then you find something out about them that, like, I didn't know that about them. Like, um, like, recently, I found out that Ariel has first cousins who live in Australia. Like, first cousins. They live in Australia and New Zealand. I didn't find that out until we went to Thanksgiving and her, her dad like called her. I was like, you, you live in Australia? What? It's daytime. <laughs> like, it was nighttime for us, it's daytime for them. It's so weird. Or I found out um, at Jamal's wedding, I found out that his dad was like, yeah, he's never been, he didn't go to a public school until he's in high school. I was like, what? We grew up in the same city. I thought I knew. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to elementary? What? And I've known, I've known them both for like, Four, three, four years now. Like I thought I would know like that about you. Um, so in my in my study, like in my personal Bible study, my quiet time and stuff, I can feel that way with Jesus sometimes. Where I'll be studying a bunch of Old Testament, or I'll be studying a bunch of the epistles or something, and and then I'll hear something about Jesus say, He said that? Oh gosh. Oh goodness. And when, whenever that happens for me, I know it's time to get back into the Gospels. Um, just to familiarize myself with Christ. He is the center of pretty much everything. And uh, I, need to, I need to always know Christ. Um, and so this scripture is kind of a theme of how I, how I feel and what I aim for. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, Paul says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul, the great Paul the Apostle, he resolves to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. Right, so all the effort that I've been putting in to try to be eloquent when preaching, try to be eloquent, sound wise, talking to people, or just be wise in my own life, it's it's all kind of in vain if I don't know centrally, if I don't know Christ and Him crucified. Mm. Come on, bro. Right, that's the the basic, basic basics. And so that has led me to recently I've been reading the Book of John to tr- just try and get to know. Jesus, to get to know the little details about his life. What was he like? What what was he doing? What was he saying? How did he say it? You know, I wanted to get to know him a little better recently. So, I was reading John, and we're going to start in John chapter 2 today. All right, bro, come on. 
So John chapter 2. This is a famous water into wine story. So it starts out, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Mother, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. So a few things about this. So I noticed Jesus and his disciples were there. I always knew this was the first miracle, but I didn't realize it was after he had been baptized, after he had called disciples. I thought this was when he was, like, before that. So that was something I learned. Oh, goodness. I've been a Christian for all these years, I didn't even know, right, that the water into wine happened after his baptism, after he met John the Baptist and all that. Uh, I think it's also cool he goes, he's invited to a wedding, him and his disciples are invited to a wedding, and his mom, they're all invited, and he goes to the wedding. Uh, if he had just gotten baptized days ago, that means he's a fresh 30 years old, right? So he's about the age of probably most of the yams in here. Uh, so he's a young young guy, young disciples, and he goes to weddings. And I noticed that's something that he does. Like When people invited Jesus, he would always go. He always, No matter who it was, like Pharisees would invite him over to try and prove him wrong. You know, and he'd still go. So, yeah. For food, I guess I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he'd go to everyone's house. He'd go to his neighbor's house, friend's house, relative's house. He'd go to old ladies' houses, right? Pharisees. I think that's pretty cool. People invited Jesus. It didn't matter who they were. He'd go, right? And so we see his mom. She's probably married. She's probably uh, about 45, 47 at this time. Yeah, right. And we see his mom. She respects him and she knows him. She knows who he is. And this is something I never thought about, that his mom basically made him do the first miracle. Yeah. She kind of made him do it. <laughs> you know? uh, and it made me think about, you know, how many times has my mom like made me do something? So I was like, oh, come on. But my mom, she saw something in me. She saw something, a good opportunity. She's like, my kid would be good for this. Let me put my kid in this summer camp. Let me put my kid in this school. Let me... I'm going to bring my kid to go feed the homeless or something, right? And so I'm sure this wasn't the first time Mary had said, hey, go help that person, Jesus. Go help that person. But this time, now that Jesus is, well, he's in the ministry, right? He has his disciples. He's a rabbi, right? Now it's a little different, right? Now Jesus answers to someone higher than his mother. And that's another thing I noticed about Jesus is, Pretty much every time his mom talked to him, there was some kind of resistance. But the resistance to his mother was always because my heavenly father says something different. And so in John 5, 30, he says, I can of myself do nothing. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. Other places he says, I can do nothing apart from the father. I only say what the father tells me. I only do what the father tells me. And so we honor and respect our parents. But we are accountable to God first. Yeah. And Jesus, the only time he wouldn't do what his mother told him was if his heavenly father said something opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think it should be the same for us. Right? Come on. The only person we <laughs> all the parents said amen. The only person we answer to above our parents is, is God. God tells us something different. And we have to honor like respectfully say, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, anyways. 
So he goes and he does the miracle. So which means he consulted his father, and it was in God's will to do this, do this work. Right. So John chapter two, verse six. I don't think I have a slide for this, but we're just gonna have to read it. So it says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone who brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests had too much to drink. But you, you saved the best till now. All right, so he does the thing, right? He turns the water into wine. Six stone jugs of water turn into wine. And it's not any kind of wine. It's choice wine. It's choice wine. So recently, like literally a month ago, my first time really drinking like choice wine. I went out to eat with Jamal and Cassidy. And if you go out to eat, just warn it. Like be ready to spend your month's <laughs> <laughs> but I had, I was like, okay, I'll let me try like expensive wine, see if there's even a difference. All I've ever had is the cheap stuff, you know. And I don't want to glorify alcohol at all, right? Obviously, but there was a difference. I had no idea there would be a difference, <laughs> that much of a difference. And the the flavor was different, and the flavor was more dynamic, and the color was like deeper and darker. And, and the, uh, even when I, I took a sip and I'd eat my food, it would change the way the food tasted and the experience was different. And then I got halfway through the glass and I was like, okay, time to stop. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, dang, this is really impressive drink. Right? This is really impressive. And this bottle, it probably took years to make. And it took a highly skilled farmer to grow a specific type of grape for a specific, and harvest it at the perfect time and the perfect weather, right? And they do whatever they do, and they put it in a barrel with whatever spices or however, and they, it has to be a specific barrel, I think, and they, they keep it and they age it for a long time, a specific time, right? And so Jesus, he just makes this like that, just like that. Jesus, he, he brings a high-quality wine to this party, and I think it's him setting the tone for his ministry, saying this isn't going to be some cheap cookie cutter thing. I didn't... I filled these to the brim. There was no mixing. I didn't put anything. This is high quality wine. This is the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Mm. Right. I did the math, or I went to a website that did the math. And <laughs> six stone jars, they each hold 20 gallons, equals 600 or about 700 bottles of wine. Wow. That is ridiculous. 700 <laughs> bottles of wine. <laughs> 700 bottles of wine. Uh, for my wedding, my dad, I asked him to know. He said he bought 50 bottles of champagne for my wedding. And we still have some in our garage. If you want champagne, please. Trying to get rid of it. We still have like nine bottles left. 50, my dad bought 50. I thought that was a lot. Jesus brought 700 bottles worth of wine to this wedding. Yeah. What in the world? And, I, and then it makes me think, why would a sinless God bring alcohol to a party of people who are already drinking, right? Why would he do that? That doesn't sound right. Wouldn't he cause them to stumble? Why would he do that? 
We know in the scripture that we're warned from drunkenness. We know in the scripture they say, don't, don't gaze at the bottle, don't, don't like let it intoxicate you. Don't do that. Proverbs 31, we see that. So why would he bring wine to this party? Well, wine, wine back then, it wasn't as strong as it is now. Right? It wasn't. Yeah, it was way, it was way weaker. So you wouldn't get drunk from just one glass. Um, and it was more common. Basically, everybody drank it. Right. So in Deuteronomy 14, you can see like they say, bring it to the priests, and the priests would take the wine. Right. Everybody drank it, and it was kind of they use it as tithe also. You tithe your wine, you tithe your grain, and you tithe your animals. So it was like a financial thing, too. You could use it financially, you could use it medicinally. Wine, it represented joy, it represented life, and it represented vitality. And so Jesus bringing 700 bottles of wine to this party. <laughs> Halfway at the end of the party, they obviously weren't going to finish it. So he was actually, it was a financial blessing to this, this couple. They could use that financially afterwards, which is a huge, I mean, a huge blessing. Uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask of him, according to the power that works in us, to him be... Okay. To him be the glory in, in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus, not only does he bring high quality wine, but he brings a high quantity of wine. He fills it to the brim, and then he transforms the wine. He transforms the water. This is another cool thing. The first miracle that Jesus does is a transformative miracle. Oh. A transformative miracle. Also something that's setting the tone for his ministry. This is going to be a transformative ministry. Right? Think about Jesus' transformative power in your life. Right? And I'm all like this. It's so cool. I feel like this is a microcosm. This just small miracle that he did just because his mom was like, hey, come on. Uh, is a microcosm for his, his the kingdom, like the, the gospel. Right? I imagine if he were to tell this in a parable, he could say, kingdom of heaven is like six stone water jars that were full of water, then turned to wine. And they were brought to a wedding. And when tasted by the people, it was the choicest of wine. It was enough for all of them to miss. Right? That's If you translated it to a parable, that's how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine Jesus, he's, he transforms, the same way he transformed this water into wine, he transforms these 12 disciples, right? Mm-hmm. Completely transforms them, and then he gives them to the world. He sets them loose. In the same way that bringing wine to a party, what happens when you bring alcohol to a party? Hey, everything, the life, joy, vitality, it all increases. In the same way, it's like pouring wine into a party and pouring these disciples out into the world. That is just transformed. Right? Christians full of the Holy Spirit, Christians full of the Word of God, can bring life to a dead world, joy to the broken heart, just like wine to a party. And Jesus, he's the life of the party because he is the creator of life itself. So, next, we go to another famous story. John chapter 6. And so this whole time, I'm just trying to learn what, what can I learn about Jesus? Like, what are some new things that I didn't know about Jesus? Or things that I maybe forgot about Jesus? I've learned that, man, he does things abundantly. 
exceedingly over what I can ask or imagine. I have to see that he, he does things at a quality higher than what I can ask or imagine. But what can I learn from this chapter? So in John 6, uh, he's just taking five loaves of barley bread, two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. That doesn't... <laughs> It's kind of a similar thing. Like, he, 700 bottles of wine for a party. Here, here we're about to feed 5,000 people. This is the Huntsville uh, Amphitheater, the Ryan Amphitheater. That's about, that holds 8,000 people. So, that much bread, <laughs> that many people. And then he had 12 baskets left over. Twelve baskets after feeding eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand people because it was just five thousand were the men, right? So it was more. Again, he gives overflowing. Again, he gives more than what we need. Again, he gives to full satisfaction. And so he does this miracle, and the people they chase him. They're like, okay, where did where did he? <laughs> Obviously, they're they're very thrilled to see this miracle. And he, he flees. He goes to the other side of the lake. And they chase him to the other side of the lake. And they find him the next day. And when they find him, he says, in verse 26, he says, Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Right? So Jesus, he's not phased by all these crowds. It's like 10,000 people chasing him around. Right? He's not phased by it. He actually tries to avoid it. And he avoids it because he knows, yo, I'm just here for the food. Like, you guys are just chasing me because I did a cool thing. Like, you're missing the point. You guys are missing the point. He's saying, it's okay to enjoy my miracle, but you need to understand the miracle. Understand why I gave you that gift. When when I gave Ariel a ring, when I proposed to Ariel, if, if she had been like, oh, sweet ring, cool, it's probably, this is pretty, and she just completely missed the point, like, that, that doesn't make sense. But that ring, it wasn't, I didn't give it to her just to give her a gift. I gave it to her because I wanted to tell her, this is the relationship that I want to have with you. Right? And when Jesus gave these people bread, and when Jesus gave these people food, and when Jesus gave these people wine, he's saying, this is, don't, it's not just about the bread, it's about who I want to be to you. Right? And then he, he drops his bombshell in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I want to be your bread. I want to be your water. I want to be your wine. I'm not giving you these things just for the heck of it. So when I got to this point in my reading of John, I kind of stopped for a second because I knew I was like, I need to digest this. Um, he says, come to me and you'll never be hungry. Come to me. And I thought about it. All these people did, the only thing these people did to get fed was just come to Jesus. That's all they did. They just had to be in the vicinity of Jesus and they were fed by Jesus. And I think about how often in my spiritual life, is with my relationship with Jesus, it's like I'm 
I'm pointing at a tree and I'm yelling at the tree, why don't you give me any shade? Why don't you give me any shade? And I, I need to walk up to the tree. I need to sit under the tree if I want to give me shade. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be filled, come to me. Just come on. That's it. How often in our spiritual lives are we longing for things from Jesus, but we're not drawing close to Jesus? He says, come to me. Come to me. So how, how do I come to Jesus? I, I look at these people, right? These people chase them around a lake. <laughs> they, there's scriptures where he, it's early in the morning and they go out and they try to find him. Where's Jesus at? Come on, guys, I'm having a fire time. I'm praying. Right? They go in, at the break of day. They go late at night in Mark chapter 1. It's way late at night. He's casting out demons. People are banging on his door. Right? That's how they were coming to Jesus. When, when he fed the 5,000 in this chapter, you can look. We didn't read it, but he says, when, right before he feeds them, he says, can you tell these people to sit down? <laughs> so it's these 8,000 people, and they're all standing up. And they're all, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they're following around this lake. And he says, please, just sit down so I can feed you. That's how eager they were. That's how they were coming to Jesus. To sit at his feet, to marvel at his teachings, to look at him, to hear from him, to ask him questions. That's how I should come to Jesus. And he says, when I come to him, I will never be hungry again. Then he says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm not doing this on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So believing in Jesus is as important as drinking water. Believing in Jesus is as essential for my spiritual health as water is for my physical. So what does that even mean to believe in Jesus? To believe what about Jesus? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah. To believe that Jesus is the anointed king. Jesus is the son of the almighty God. That he has poured out his blood on the cross for all my sins. For the sins I did when I was 14, 25, 35, 45 years old. For all my sins. And he poured his blood out because of the immense love that the Father has for us. Right? To believe that Jesus raised from death to life and now sits at the right hand of God. To believe that in Jesus I have eternal life. In Jesus I have eternal life. In Jesus I have forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus I have the Holy Spirit. Now if I forget this, if I stop drinking this belief every single day the way that I drink water, what's going to happen? I'm going to shrivel up. I'm going to shrivel away. I'm going to die spiritually. If I forget these things about Jesus, if I forget that Jesus defeated death and sin, that's right. then death will scare me. Then sin will paralyze me. Right? If I forget that Jesus resurrected, then what hope is there for me to, to change? What hope is there for me to feel like I have the life of Christ, right? If I forget that God loves me enough to spill his own son's blood, then how am I ever going to love myself? How am I ever going to love my neighbor? How am I ever going to love God? If I'm not drinking the gospel like water, how can I bear fruit? He says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He'll never die. So, okay, how do I 
approach this practically, but how do I really approach this? Um, when's the last time they all wrote a letter? Like a, like a legit letter? Like a page? Yeah. <laughs> Years, right? Um, there's something about writing a letter. Right? It's, it's, it's a little different than the way we communicate now. Now it's email, text, call, voice message, right? It's bite size, it's cheap. That's the way we communicate now. It's fast, it's quick. It doesn't cost a stamp or an envelope a trip to the mailbox. It doesn't cost any of that. If I wanted to tell my cousin, hey, you have a big head and I love you, <laughs> I can just boom, 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 boom. Right? The way we talk, he does have a big head. <laughs> the, way we, uh, the way we communicate is different. The way we buy things is different now. Black Friday just passed. Right. Y'all remember Black Friday 10 years ago? Stampedes. <laughs> Literally every Black Friday was you putting your life in danger on Black Friday. Y'all remember that? Every Black Friday there was a crowd outside of stores. There was people bruising their minds, getting in fights. Right? But now there's, it's, there's no Stampedes. Why? There's no Stampedes because everything I want to buy, I can buy right here. I want home. I go beep, beep, beep. I want this, 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 and this. And it's at my door in two days. Right? I can buy it 24-7 with my little imaginary money that my credit card is attached to my phone for some reason. Right? I haven't handled coins. I haven't bought anything with a coin. In years, I don't even know what the coin would put. Are they still okay? Are you to them? What is a coin? How are they? Everything is different now. Everything is different. The way we buy things, the way we speak to each other, it's all different. And that culture, that consumerism culture, the fast-paced culture has affected our spiritual life as well. And so I know when I pray, I know when I pray, I can tend to make it like an Amazon Prime order. God, I want this, 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 and this. Can you have it to me by this? Thank you. It's quick, it's fast, it's in my head. I feed my head in, I make my request, I leave. Right. I expect it on my door in two days. <laughs> right, so like Amazon Prime. Or I'll do it like a text message. Here you go, cool. Cool. God, please uh, help me with my test. Cool. Help me with this interview. Boom. Right? And it's like my mindset is I, I put my prayer coin in and I expect something to come out. And that's how I pray. I'm, in, I'm a consumeristic prayer. I'm an Amazon Prime. I'm a Hey Siri prayer. Right? If I look at it honestly, my prayer life is not a place of divine fellowship, of divine pleasure. It's not a place of divine friendship, really. Instead, I end up looking at God like some kind of spiritual commodity. Right? I pray with an agenda, and even I get offended when God doesn't fulfill my request. But God, He's no consumer. And God doesn't see us as products, and he doesn't want us to see him as a product. What kind of friendship is that? The two greatest commandments can't be fully lived out with that kind of relationship, with an Amazon Prime relationship with God. What's crazy is that God still blesses us, even when we pray these crappy prayers. He'll still answer those, those trash prayers. He's still, he's still faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. But the thing is, we won't develop fruits of the Spirit by praying like that. Uh, no one, you, you don't get more like Christ 
by poking your head in and poking your head out with Christ. Um, I asked about letters because my little sister, she's in, bring up everyone in my family, but uh, my little sister, she's in boot camp right now. She's in wow. basic training. And she wrote me a letter, like a legit letter. Look at this. She wrote me. And I, as I looked at this, I was like, when's the last time I got a letter? Fifth grade? Like, <laughs> I haven't had a letter. She wrote me a letter. And how did she write this letter? She said, oh, happy belated birthday, Nate. Hello, sibling and sibling-in-law. I thought I'd write to you both to help pass the time. I've been in basic training for a little over a month now. I just entered the blue phase after, okay, then army jargon or whatever. But uh, the way she's talking, it's, she's just telling me what's going on. She's just updating me. She's telling me how she feels. She's telling me how insane her drill sergeants are. She's telling me how uncomfortable the cold was. She had to be out in the cold. She had to go camping. She just shot a gun. She just threw a grenade, right? She's just telling me what's going on. And there's no agenda. She wasn't asking for anything. She said, man, I can't wait to see you guys at Christmas. I really miss going and just getting a matcha latte from a cafe. I miss Starbucks. I miss warmth. <laughs> <laughs> I just follow orders now, but this is life. Um, and I, I imagine that's how God wants our prayer life to be. More like, more like a letter. Less yeah. like an Amazon Prime word. Yeah, exactly. Less like a text message. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Amen. John chapter 15. He said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. To write this letter, my little sister had to remain at a table. <laughs> She had to think about, man, I really, I really miss my brother. I really miss my sister-in-law. Sister-in-law? Is Ariel her? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you have to sit down. You have to find a pen. You have to write. It takes effort. You have to think about it. You have to make sure that you're in the lines. You fold it up. You put it in an envelope. You address it. Put it in your mailbox. It's, it's more effort, it's more meaningful, you know? It's more expensive. Mm-hmm. So God, he wants, he wants us to talk to him like we are his divine friend. Or like he is our divine friend. He wants our prayer time with him to be something that fills us up like bread, that refreshes us like water, that brings life to us the way that wine brings life to a point. He wants our time with him to reveal things to us, to embolden us, to strengthen us, right? And not even just because we ask for strength, not even just because we ask for peace or ask for rest or ask for any of these things, but simply because we came to him, simply because we were with him. We were sitting in the shade of that tree. Is my is my prayer life, is my reading life, is my spiritual life like friendship with God? Or is it like a, I'm a consumer and he's a product? Right? This all comes down back to that, that scripture from the beginning. Where it says, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. If in this Christian walk, if, if that's all I know, if I don't know any of the eschatology, theology, megatology, you know, 
but I just know Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and I just put my all into knowing Him. <coughs> I'll be way better off. Because, right? um, yeah, one day, we're all going to have a face-to-face conversation, a one-on-one conversation with, with Christ. Yeah. And we're going to have to talk about what we did on this earth from salvation to death. And we're either going to walk in that room already knowing the person who's judging us, or we're going to walk in that room and be surprised. Be like, oh, I didn't recognize you. I thought you would be different. I know when I go, I don't, I don't want to be nervous. I, I want to be proud. I want to be uh, excited. Come on. I want to go into <laughs> Judgment Day like, I was just with him yesterday. Yeah. I was just talking with him yesterday. I was just breaking my back, trying to do the things he told me yesterday. Right. I've been looking, I've been reading this thing to a T, man. I know you so well, Jesus. Hey, yeah, we were just we were just hanging out. That's how I want to go into that room. Amen. So if I can just resolve to know nothing but Christ and nothing but him crucified. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hallowed be your name. Uh, I thank you for the things that you show us in your scripture. I thank you for the things that you did and the signs. They they weren't just to give us bread. They weren't just to impress us, but they were to, because you want to draw near to us. You want to be our friend, God. Um, In this world where a lot of people are lacking true friends, we have a Heavenly Father who wants to be our friend. I, I thank you for that, God. I pray that when we eat this bread and drink this juice, that we can uh, kind of think about what they mean. Uh, think about how you are our bread, how you and your blood is the, it's the covenant of the, of the new, it's the promise of the new covenant, God. Uh, pray that you bless this communion. Pray that you bless us and keep us safe throughout this week. And I pray that we can all have more time to remain in you, to sit under your shade. Um, to come to you and really believe you more, God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen.